Hello and welcome to the Choosing Happy podcast. We're at episode 14 and this week I wanted to explore and dig deep on choosing to see. Last week we looked at words and the four agreements specifically and the power of words, the magic of words, whether that's white magic or black magic. So watching your language and the words you use not only to other people but to yourself. And I want to move on a little bit this week and look at what we see and how we choose what we see. Um, as a trainer of neurolinguistic programming, the communication model is one of the fundamentals. And the communication model explores how we process information that comes in from our senses, especially our eyes. I also want to take some time to explore the advantages of practicing your peripheral vision rather than just focusing on foveal vision, which is kind of what we're being trained into when we're using technology, either on mobile devices or on PC screens. And it's the foveal vision, the long-term use of that, that dampens our awareness. So I want to take a little bit of time to explore that and really just generally explore what we see and more importantly, what we miss. All that and more in this week's Choosing Happy podcast. Welcome to this episode of the Choosing Happy podcast, looking at what you see and how you see it. I specifically wanted to explore this this week because I think there are a lot of occurrences, not just for myself, but for other people, where an event will happen, but the perception and the beliefs around that event are very, very different. Depending upon the information that we have available to us, we will choose to view an event based on our beliefs and our filters and the information that we've chosen to see and to acknowledge around an event. One of the um, examples I used to use in my training was 9-11, where as a potential terrorist, you may have celebrated that as a victory, while as a family member of one of the victims, you have a completely different view of that occurrence, that event. And we're coming up to the 20th anniversary, which it seems appropriate to mention it and to remember all of those who lost their lives. But that is one event, for instance, where the recall of that event differs greatly depending on who you are talking to, even amongst the, the victims and the eyewitnesses. What occurred is different for each person. And that's really with everything in life. And I think it's very profoundly obvious now with the completely different views across all spectrums around events that are occurring in the world. 
So I thought it would be really useful to explore how we process information, how we filter it, how we create beliefs, how we change beliefs, and how those beliefs and those filters impact our lives on a daily basis. And it's not just the big things that it impacts, it's the small things as well. And how mindfulness and awareness and opening your awareness can really change the quality of your life and how you experience life. So we're living in a world where we can all be looking at the same event, but experiencing it and seeing it very differently. One way police know that people are conspiring is when their stories are very, very close, because they know that that's not how people remember events. In general, if you have four people witnessing a robbery, they'll have four different versions of the events. If their versions are very, very close to each other, then we can assume that there's a high potential that they have conspired to create a similar record of the event. Because I can't see something doesn't mean it isn't there. Because I didn't see something at an event doesn't mean it wasn't there or it didn't happen. If you ever had a family event, a family birthday, you probably remember it completely different to your brother or sister or aunt or uncle. They will have noticed things that you didn't notice and you will have noticed things that they didn't notice. And it's all around how we filter information. As I mentioned earlier, the NLP communication model is a great explanation of how we do that. You can access a copy of the communication model from the link in the show notes. The communication model gives an explanation of how we process external events, how we create not only our internal representation, but our experience and also our behavior and response to that event. So we have an event coming in through our senses, through our eyes, through our ears, through how we feel, through taste, through smell, and also the words that we use to label our experience. And all of that information comes in and there's so much information that our conscious brain can't process it. So we delete, distort and generalize until we only have, I think it was, it's five plus five minus five pieces of information that we process. And this goes into our internal filters where we look at how we personally perceive time, space, matter and energy, the language that we use, our memories. So we check in and see whether we recall something in a similar way to an event that's happened before. The decisions we've made in the past about similar events, something called our meta programs, which is kind of unconscious programming, our values and beliefs. So whether something's important to us or not, or whether we have a strong view on something or not, and our attitudes. So all of that filters, distorts, deletes all of the information 
so that it becomes something that we can process, something that fits into our model of the world. And it creates an internal representation. And the internal representation we create from that influences our state. That's how we feel. And then that will influence our physiology, our body, how we hold ourselves, how we feel in the body, and also our behavior. And I mentioned last week, one of the ways to change our state is to change our physiology. And that's important if something, for instance, impacts you and, and your response is something like depression. The way to change that, you can change your physiology in order to change your state. And being in control of that and being aware of how we process that information is really important if we want to control our behavior. And I think as we go through the coming months and weeks, as things unfold and life changes at the rate it's constantly changing, that being able to influence our state and to understand how we're processing what we're seeing and the events around us is really, really crucial. As I said, one of the most important points to this, and the real reason I'm doing this today, is to question whether what we're seeing really, truly resonates. Can we step back and critically look at something and work out what's true and what isn't true? It's difficult with all of the information that's available online and in the mainstream media to really get to what is true. And sometimes it's about sitting back and listening to your intuition and going with your gut at the moment um, in order to decide what's true for you and how you want to respond, how you want to behave, what behaviours you want to take out into the world. The second part was to look at how we literally see, how we're using our sight at the moment. Because of the nature of technology and mobile technology that we're using and that we're using screens more often, we are operating more and more within foveal vision. We're barely using our peripheral vision, which is the vision that allows us to see around to the side of our heads so that you can look forward and still see at the sides. We've been training ourselves out of that with the use of technology over the last 10, 15 years. And the thing is that being in foveal vision for most of the time is what increases tension, its potential to increase depression. Just learning to use peripheral vision so that you're looking straight ahead, but you can see to the sides. Being in that state of using your peripheral vision, it's called a state of expanded awareness. And it causes you to relax and your heart rate to change and you to become more aware of the surroundings. And from an NLP perspective, it has been used to help with ADHD. It's often called the learning state because it allows you to take in more information than you would in a focused foveal state. Using your peripheral vision means that you not only see more, but your senses are heightened in terms of what you hear and what you feel as well. 
because you're in a calmer state, your mind's not racing and you're not being distracted. You're not so focused that you miss valuable information around you. If you want to learn how to use your peripheral vision, and it's something I would recommend during these times, especially if there's a time that you just like to sit and get calm, um, it's one of the great ways to enhance meditation is to, to begin with peripheral vision as it calms your heart rate and calms your mind before you even close your eyes. So I'll put a link in the show notes to some training on how you can learn to use your peripheral vision. So knowing that the majority of our time is spent in foveal vision, which immediately puts us into a very focused, narrow visual state. So there's a lot of things we don't see. And then understanding how our internal representation system works and how we're distorting, deleting, and generalizing to fit the information that we see outside of us into our model of the world, then it's understandable that each individual person has a very different perspective on the events that are occurring around us. So much so that you may not even see something that's really obvious just because you don't expect it to be there. I was listening to a story the other day of a lady who was at a bus stop and she was complaining because the bus was late. But there were four buses that went past her because in her mind and her model of the world, the buses never came. She didn't actually see the buses arrive and leave. That's how powerful our mind is in creating what we want to see. That's why we have more cameras about when it comes to banks and security cameras, because quite often the witness statements, as I said before, are quite different and the cameras will show the actual event. I'm sure you will have seen some of those pictures where depending on how you look at it, you see a different picture. For instance, the one of the beautiful lady or the old hag. And then there's a video you may have seen where there are students in a room and a man in a gorilla suit walks through. But sometimes it takes a couple of views of the video before you notice the man in the gorilla suit. And that's what our lives are like. So sometimes there can be something that happens very obviously to some people and other people just won't see it at all and they will absolutely deny that it's true. And they're absolutely right, it isn't true for them. It doesn't mean it didn't happen. And I think we need this awareness right now so that we can question what our view of the world is and what we're being told about what happened. Sometimes it might appear that people are trying to deceive us when actually their model of the world didn't allow them to see something that happened. Just a simple example, I have a tree across the road from me in my street and I walk past it every day, at least twice a day when I walk my dogs. And it was only two days ago that I noticed it was full of red berries. 
Now, obviously, those red berries didn't appear overnight, but I just hadn't noticed because I walked past it every day. I had deleted and generalized what that tree looked like. I live in an amazingly beautiful place. I have to consciously attempt to look at it with new eyes every time I walk the dogs, because otherwise it becomes sameness. It's nothing special because it's something I see every day. So on my walks, generally, my intention is to look for the differences, to look for what's new. So there are lots of examples, just simple daily examples, where you might not be able to see something and it's actually there. For instance, how many times have you looked for your keys? and you're looking all around, and you don't see them, and your partner will say, but they're right in front of you, and you just don't see them. The purpose of all of this is to ask you to acknowledge that in this world of change, unprecedented events, unprecedented disruption, unprecedented separation and disagreement, that sometimes you can stop and acknowledge the other person's model of the world, that they have a different way of processing information. They have different beliefs, memories, decisions they've made, programs and attitudes and perspectives. So they see an event differently from you. So rather than getting angry, maybe just take that moment to understand to acknowledge that you understand where they're getting their point of view from, where they're getting their perspective. You don't have to agree with them, but understanding can go a long way toward calmness rather than conflict. Allow for the fact that others see differently from you and that you see differently from them. Our beliefs may not allow us to see something that others see and their beliefs may not allow them to see something that you see. There are a number of versions of reality out there at the moment. And one of them, which is the potential truth, because they're all potential truths, causes cognitive dissonance. And the cognitive dissonance is when our filters, our internal filters, reject the reality because it just doesn't fit with anything we've experienced before. It doesn't fit with what we've been taught. It doesn't fit with our programming. It doesn't fit with our memories. It doesn't fit with our values and beliefs and attitudes. All of those would have to change if we acknowledged the reality that we're being shown. And that's what cognitive dissonance is. So our internal representation system will reject and throw out and argue against that event. And if it can ignore it, if it can move on and hold on to the old beliefs, it will do. So just be aware of that as well when you're talking to others and when you're looking at what you're rejecting and what you're getting angry about. From a manifesting and spirituality perspective, we get what we focus on. I discussed this a lot last week. This is where we can use visualisation so we can see something in our mind's eye and visualize it. And our internal representation system that we create, our filters, can't tell the difference between what we visualize 
and whether it's a real event. That's why sometimes dreams seem so real and we have physical reactions to them. And that's why visualizing something you want or some attribute you want in yourself is actually a powerful thing to do. Wayne Dyer wrote a book called You'll See It When You Believe It. And that is very, very true. And also there are lots of things around us that we can't see and are there, such as electricity, such as wireless waves, such as the air that we breathe, because we can't see it doesn't necessarily mean it doesn't exist. So to summarize, sight is so powerful, but understanding how you process what you see is even more powerful. We can choose what we see. In the book E Squared, there's an exercise over 48 hours to focus on seeing something you don't normally see. So maybe blue butterflies or purple butterflies or purple cars. Then noticing how many you see over that 48 hours. And the idea is that you actually have to look for them. I don't mean go hunting for them, but you look around and attempt to notice them. Because what you do when you decide that you want to see something is that you engage your reticular activating system. It's a part of the brain that looks for those things you want to focus on. And that's what makes goals more achievable. The conscious mind sets the goal and the unconscious mind and the reticular activating system gets the goal. So our sight is so much more than just looking through your eyes. You've got your internal sight, you've got your awareness, you've got your filters, your own representational system that differs and is unique from anybody else's because nobody else has the memories, the programs, the values, the beliefs and the attitudes that you hold. That's why one event can bring someone to tears while someone might laugh out loud. So to wrap up, I've included links to the NLP communication model, so you can have a look at that. I've also included links to a video on foveal and peripheral vision and the learning state. And I'd just ask you, as your homework, two things. One, choose something unusual that you want to see over the next 48 hours and go out and look for it. Just in your everyday going about your business, take the time to to look for it. And two, when you come into contact with someone who disagrees with you or doesn't hold the same opinion, just notice how they appear to be processing the same information. We can have opposing attitudes over the exact same event. Our truths about an event can be very, very different. And we see polar opposites on a daily basis at the moment. My real compulsion to talk about this today is in the hope that if we take on board that everyone has a different model of a world, Everyone has different beliefs, values, and representational systems. And that everyone is entitled 
to hold those without censorship, that the world will be a much more understanding and calmer and more peaceful place. And that if you're listening to this and you've got this far, thank you for listening, that you'll be able to navigate the chaos and the confusion and the disruption a little bit better with some of the tools I've described today. Thank you for listening. All of the details are in the show notes and I look forward to seeing you next week on the Choosing Happy podcast. Mm -hmm.